Thanks for joining Impact Boom. On this episode... Done well, social procurement can become part of the core business as usual buying decisions of any organisation, regardless of what sector they're in. By business as usual, we mean incorporating social, economic or environmental outcomes as part of what an organisation calls its value for money decisions. Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Thanks for listening to episode 442 of Impact Boom. My name's Tom Allen and I'm passionate about bringing you the latest interviews and insights to help you create positive social impact. Today we're speaking with Elizabeth Lett. Elizabeth Lett is the Queensland Northern Territory Director of Arc Blue. Elizabeth has 28 years experience in financial management and governance, strategy and policy development, procurement reform and implementation. Her experience spans both the public sector and multinational private sector organisations. Elizabeth is passionate about the opportunity to deliver greater value to our communities through procurement. She is a recognised leader in sustainable procurement and led the development of Victoria's social procurement framework from policy inception to implementation across 300 entities. At ArcBlue, Elizabeth is supporting a range of organisations across the public and private sector to develop and implement sustainable procurement strategies and place-based approaches to drive social, economic and environmental outcomes. This includes introducing a place-based approach known as QSEED in Townsville to harness the massive forthcoming investment pipeline to deliver job outcomes for young people in the region. Elizabeth is a voluntary board advisor to the Queensland Social Enterprise Council as well, so has experience in this member-based peak social enterprise body. It's a pleasure today to be talking to Liz, and we'll be covering a few things like Liz's diverse experience in social enterprise and some of those key lessons that Liz has learnt from working with social entrepreneurs and policymakers. And we'll get Elizabeth's thoughts and perspective on the social enterprise landscape. So, Liz, it's a pleasure to have you here. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Tom. It's a pleasure. Liz, kicking things off, could you please share a bit more about this background? You've got 28 years' experience. What was it that led to this passion of yours in social enterprise? In my current role, where I'm heading up Arc Blue business in Queensland and Northern Territory, I am supporting a whole range of different organisations to advance their social and sustainable procurement practice. But what really got me started in this space is I'd previously spent quite a number of years working in various roles in the Victorian government in the Department of Treasury and Finance. And that was all focused on supporting the government to get the most value out of its spending or budget decisions, whether it be in infrastructure, health or education. 
So probably back around 2016, it was not long after the Commonwealth first implemented its Indigenous procurement policy that I first came across the concept of social enterprise and started working in that space when a few pieces of work collided. And I can actually recall and imagine that very first time I heard the term social enterprise, which Hmm. feels quite crazy to me now, but it's such a kind of familiar concept. So first of all, at that time, the social enterprise sector in Victoria was really starting to grow. And in my role as in, in the Treasury Department, I'd been asked by the government to support the development of the first social enterprise strategy. And at the same time, the government also was reacting to what was happening in the Commonwealth space yeah. and came back and from the COAG meeting and said that they wanted to do better than what the Commonwealth was doing in mm-hmm. Indigenous procurement and I was asked to develop a social procurement policy for Victoria. So my role for the next kind of three to four years was then focused on designing, getting cabinet approval, implementing and designing a reporting framework for the first whole of government social procurement framework that we then subsequently implemented in around 300 government entities. Hmm. And when I look back, There are some real highlights in those early stages of implementing that social procurement framework that were quite significant moments for me in terms of the benefits that social enterprises could bring to their communities, to government, and I had the opportunity to firsthand meet with those social enterprises and some of the, the recipients, the beneficiaries of the outcomes that they were delivering and I could see how it just made sense mm. for the government to be including social enterprise in their day-to-day purchasing yeah. decisions. It sounds like you learned a lot from that. And there was no small ask, right, just to come to you and say, can you please design this and roll it out the state? Yeah, and I think I'll quite happily put my hand up and have a laugh at myself then and think, I had no idea and uh, I'm really glad I had no idea because I learnt so much along the way. Yeah, and it, of course, turned into a really impressive social procurement framework in Victoria, which has been referenced quite a bit, Liz, around the nation. And now in your role as Regional Director at Arc Blue, I'm keen then to learn what it is that you've observed of this social procurement landscape in Australia now and where you believe there's ongoing opportunities to create this impact in communities. Yeah, I'd say that one of the the great benefits in my current role is that whilst I'm focused on Queensland and Northern Territory regions through the broader work of Arc Blue, I'm working with public and private sector entities across Australia, and that really gives me great visibility as well as the opportunity to contribute to the landscape across all the states and territories. Mm -hmm. And what we really see is that maturity differs across states, sectors and different types of entities. So we see that some organisations, for example, small regional local councils, might be in their very early stages of social procurement maturity, but nevertheless it's still really important to them because they very much want to be supporting their local communities and whilst they might be less mature in terms of 
the sophistication or the size of their policies or systems, they can really make a big impact by focusing on regenerating and directing money and spend into their local communities and have a real tangible impact. At the other end of the spectrum, we see some of the large national organisations and in particular those infrastructure companies who are operating with a national footprint. They've actually become quite adept and sophisticated in their social procurement journey and have put quite a lot of resources into it because Mm. they see it not only an important part of doing business because it's what their stakeholders are now expecting, but they also see it gives them a competitive edge. Yes, absolutely. And it sounds like there's been a real maturing then since you really began that body of work back in 2016. Would you agree with that? Definitely. And like I said, in 2016, it was the first time I'd heard the concept (laughs) social enterprise, whereas now I can't say it's mainstream. That's part of the the maturity journey that we're all collectively on, but it's certainly becoming far more mainstream than that initial somewhat elusive concept was back in 2015, 2016. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So from all of these learnings then, Liz, what advice would you be giving to governments and corporates who are really seeking to get better bang for buck when it comes to the way that they procure? To put it simply, whether you're in the government or the corporate sector, to me, social procurement just makes plain sense. Yeah. And whilst in the first instance it might require, and this is some of the advice I do provide through my current role, while it might take a bit of upfront investment in time or energy to develop a strategy on how you're going to prioritise social value. Done well, social procurement can become part of the core business of usual buying decisions of any organisation, regardless of what sector they're in. By business as usual, we mean incorporating social, economic or environmental outcomes as part of what an organisation calls its value for money decision. So that, to me, it makes plain sense. It makes core sense from both a financial perspective as well as goes a long way to meeting stakeholder expectations. And Mm. so across the, I'm going to say, business landscape, increasingly stakeholders are expecting more, whether It's regulatory expectations, it's whether companies are looking to attract and retain employees, stakeholder and investors expect organisations to be having a clear social impact strategy, the community in which we all exist and operate expect their local councils, their local businesses to be doing the right thing and people just generally want to support organizations to make a positive change to to the communities in which we all live and so what i'm wondering now is we referenced this sort of mainstreaming of the movement earlier and how there's been that shift the last seven to eight or so years that we've referenced earlier but now that we're working towards and when i say we i mean australia is working towards the olympic and paralympic Games opportunity of 2032 in Brisbane. I'm wondering where you see or what you see the next steps are 
that we as this movement in Australia really needs to take in order to accelerate this business for good movement and actually get it to that next stage of mainstream where it's just business as usual? I've thought a lot about this over recent years and over the last 18 months I've also had a cynical move of my own in that I've moved from Victoria to Queensland and I'm now in a role where I'm working, like I said, with organisations across the country. What I would say is that I've seen firsthand the difference it can make for a government and by that I mean regardless of its political persuasion. Yes. I've seen firsthand what happens when a government or a leadership authority is directive and puts in place a strong mandate for social procurement. And in my mind, that's what's really a critical ingredient to accelerate this uptake of social procurement. Mm. Because when you have that strong direction or that strong mandate or authorising environment, as we'd call it in a public sector context, it's multifaceted. It has a flow-on impact to the large corporates who are part of the government's supply chain because they in turn then develop their own social procurement policies and practices which they pass on through to their supply chain. And irrespective of whether they're doing this by choice or responding to the government policy requirements or they see it as necessary to win the government work and give themselves a competitive advantage or whether they see it as the right thing to do, regardless of what their motivation is, by having those large corporates respond to the government requirements, it has that multiplier effect. Mm. In my mind, it's that leadership from the top and in particular the government sector that can be such an important accelerator. Mm, That's really interesting to hear. It's good to hear it's spelt out really clearly like that too, Liz. So let's put the focus now on a couple of inspiring projects or initiatives that you've come across recently which are creating some really positive social change. I'm going to um, talk a little bit about one project that I'm implementing at the moment and it's a place-based social and local procurement project known as Seed and Art Blue is has received in partnership with Central Queensland University. We have been the fortunate beneficiaries of some funding from the John Villiers Trust. Mm. And John Villiers Trust, it's a philanthropic organisation that supports regional and rural young people in Queensland. So with that funding, we are implementing QSEED. And what it is about, it's about harnessing local and social procurement to deliver outcomes and jobs for a particular region. Mm. And in this case, the region is Townsville. Our research around Townsville's demographic data highlighted that it's experiencing a number of social challenges. And I'm sure we all see that playing out in the media, including youth disengagement, crime, high rates of youth unemployment. And through the QC program, what we are doing is bringing together a collaboration of big business, government organisations, community organisations, employment providers to work together to collaborate, harness the expenditure. So we know that there's around $14 billion worth of expenditure each year in the Townsville area. Yep. And nearly half of that is leaking out of the local economy. Mm. 
So through the QC program, we're looking to redirect a portion of that spending back into the local community to create sustainable jobs and employment and training opportunities for these young people that we know who are otherwise experiencing disadvantage in the area. Two months into the program, we're We've been receiving an overwhelming level of support from organisations wanting to participate and we're busy working with them at the moment to develop what we call a regional action plan. And Mm. so watch this space because I guess the difference between QSEED and some of those broader whole of government frameworks that I spoke about earlier is that in the absence of a whole of government or a strong mandate, QSEED is a place-based program that looks to build that social procurement momentum and that ecosystem that we talk about. It looks to grow it from a bottom-up approach and then coupled hopefully with a, a stronger mandate coming in the future from the government and in that policy space. Social procurement can be multifaceted and we can see the two kind of colliding and working together to create that momentum. It's a really exciting project, Liz. So well done on, on all the hard work and pulling it together so far. It'll be great to track it as it moves forward then and, and hopefully be a great example then to roll out in other regions. We're really excited. We've had overwhelming support, like I said, from the Townsville community. And this is a model that's been tried and tested elsewhere. And I think we're already seeing some of the early wins, the early success stories mm. that will enable us to pick it up and replicate it in other areas of Queensland. Great to hear. Excellent. So let's finish off then, Liz, with perhaps some recommendations around books or resources that might be useful to our listeners. When I heard this question you were going to ask me, Tom, I thought, "Mm, am I meant to think of something (laughs) that's on point Um, (laughs) or topical for this podcast? I've recently, just in the last week, I've re-picked up a book from a few years ago that my dad shared with me and my dad passed away not long ago and it's called A Fortunate Life. It's it's an Australian classic by A.B. Facey and I was just reading it over the weekend and, you know, sometimes in our day-to-day life when things can feel like a struggle and there's a lot of good news happening out in the broader world, it's just nice to take stock and reflect on how fortunate we really are and Mm. the opportunities that we've had. And for me, that book of fortunate life is a really good reminder of the, the fabulous opportunities I've had to get myself where I am today. Thanks so much for sharing that, Liz. We'll put a link through to that book in the online article. And it's a great reminder. I read that book, would have been at least 25 years ago now. And I remember it really sticking with me at the time. So good, good to be reminded of it. Liz, thank you so much for being so generous with your time and insights today. It's been great to chat and we'll look forward to following your journey as you continue onwards as well. So thanks again. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for having me. Been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. Please leave your comments below and remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page and Twitter.